This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. And uh, welcome to episode one of Equity Mates. Very excited to have you here uh, with my equity mate buddy, Alec <laughs> Renahan or The Renegade. Hey all. This is a podcast where we're going to be breaking down investing to try and make it a bit more realistic and accessible for you. Um, we're, we're on our investing journey and we hope to take you along for the ride and hopefully learn some things and impart some wisdom and tell you about some of our mistakes along the way. Great. So I guess uh, we'll start with you then, Ren. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what was your first investment? Okay. So my investing history got off to a interesting start. Um, I got interested in it a few years ago now when I was working and I had a bit of money saved away and wasn't quite sure what to do with it. Um, ended up putting my first $500 into Slater & Gordon, a, a law firm that has had some subsequent uh, subsequent issues, shall we say, and uh, has has not tanked it. made me any money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, has has tanked it is an understatement. But look, uh, since then I've learned a lot. I've done better than that first investment. Really, couldn't have done any worse. But yeah, look, uh, it's something something I enjoy. Uh, I find it interesting to look at companies and how they're going. Yeah, I, I hope I can share that interest with all you listeners out there. Nice. Well, um, my first investment uh, was when I was in year seven. It began back when I was in kindergarten, and my parents encouraged me to put away 50 cents a week into a little Comset saving account. Um, and then I reached $500 uh, by the time I was in year seven, and my dad encouraged me to put it into a diversified financial company called Brickwork Investments, which I still hold today. I got them at the IPO at I think about 40 cents or thereabouts, and it still proves to be one of my most successful investments today. So, uh, Ren, I think we should then uh, say, yeah. what, what are we going to achieve with yeah. this podcast? Why, why everyone out there should listen to us. So, what's the first thing we're going to be doing? So, basically, what, what we want to do is we, we want to make investing accessible to everyone, um, people who might have a bit of money tucked away and don't really know how to get into the stock market. We want to break it down for you, tell you what we know, what we've learned, the mistakes we've made, and make it a bit more accessible for you. 
for the first segment we want to do is uh, a bit of news. And every podcast, we'll talk about developments that have happened both in the market and we'll also talk about what's happened in the broader world if it has an effect on the market or on um, our or your investments. And we're not professing to be experts in any, oh, anything, that, anything that we talk about, but we, you know, this is something that we just do over yeah. a casual beer. Yeah. So I think it's a and great opportunity for us to capture that. And uh, Yeah, and if it can save you some time, you know, um, if you can get a summary of the things that are important from us rather than having to, you know, do the research yourself and that makes you more interested in investing, then we've done our job. So, yeah, what else? I think one of the other major things that we're going to be doing and it's quite exciting is uh, interviewing a bunch of our mates because, you know, we're all at different stages in our investment journey. A lot of our mates are investing and have different uh, attitudes and beliefs towards the best way of investing. And we want to uh, capture that and track how we grow and, you know, learn about each other's investments and also our own uh, investment strategies. Yeah. So that's something to, to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that we want to do is um, we want to talk to you about some some of the companies that we're looking at, some of the industries we're looking at. Um, again, we're, we're not experts by any means, but if we can talk about how we look at companies, what we look for when we decide to put our money in, into a company or into shares, hopefully you can take something from that. You can definitely learn something from our mistakes and hopefully you can learn from some of the things we've done right along the way as well. Cool. And so I think something that is going to be of use is our hypothetical funds that we're going to start to create and track uh, that will be available on our website, equitymates.com. So essentially each week or each, uh, each episode, each podcast, yeah. sorry, each podcast, we will be adding a stock of our choice to yep. this fund that we create uh, using amounts of money that are accessible and realistic. We're not going to be doing $10,000 hits, $20,000 hits. We're going to be talking $500, yeah. $1,000. So, so the way we envisage it is much like we invest, you know, we have our jobs and we try and save a bit from every paycheck. And when we reach, you know, a certain amount, $500 or $1,000, we then will buy part of a company with that. And so we kind of want to make the hypothetical fund reflect how we invest and how we think most everyday people would invest, um, if they had the sort of knowledge and they were interested in the share market, mm. which is save a bit from your paycheck and mm. then put it in the market when you can. Mm. Yeah. So looking forward to that, and that will be able to be viewed and tracked online along with uh, a number of other segments that we're excited to bring you guys later on down the track. So I think to close the little intro of Equity Mates episode one, uh, we just want to highlight again that it's a podcast for everybody by a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, as we said, we are not claiming to have any sort of uh, experience or uh, expertise above um, that which you can probably find online or go and pay for. But we just think that there's a number of you out there who uh, want to start investing or have heard about it but just don't know where to start. And we hope that you can take something from this to either get you going or uh, trigger a conversation and so we're really looking forward to getting your feedback and comments along the way. Yeah, and I think the the point is if, if the two of us can invest, then really anyone can invest. So whether you've been investing for years and you want another resource to follow the news and get another perspective, or you have never invested before, but you're thinking about it now, if we can do it, anyone can do it. So hopefully we can help you out and give you some advice along the way. Beautiful.
Okay, Renis, so the field of investing, I guess, is really big. Yeah, it's huge. And one of the problems that I faced uh, when I first started was trying to filter my way through so yeah. much information uh, to try and get an understanding or a basic understanding of what the best strategy is. Yeah, and I'm me. sure for a lot of listeners, that's the big st- the big sort of resistance point in even getting started. That they just they, they don't know where to find information. They don't know what they should be looking at. Um, and so they just don't don't even try. Yeah, it's yeah. people get really scared about it. Yeah, but I think that you know it's definitely possible through a good attitude and yeah. understanding of um, the basics uh, to really get involved. Yeah, and I, I think that's what we want to try and sort of start with in this podcast is uh, what what should you um, like? How should you approach investing? What should what's important and like what should your sort of attitude and objective be? Because if, if you understand that, then at least you have a filter when you're looking at all this information, you sort of know what you, what you should be looking for, what you don't really need to worry about. And so we're going to start there. Yeah. Um, and then in later podcast episodes, we'll get a bit more specific. We'll talk to you about the different sort of things you can invest in and um, things that we have invested in. But today, if you can leave this podcast with, a, with an, an understanding of the attitude that we take and that we think would be a good one for just the sort of everyday per day. So going off that then the attitude I guess that we try to embody in our investing strategy is a a value based strategy um, which in itself encompasses a variety of characteristics why is it our chosen strategy do you think well for me the the reason that I follow that is because it makes the most sense for me and I, I guess for the the way that I think about value investing is you're, you're you're trying to find companies that are undervalued by the share market. So you look at the price that you can buy their shares on a market, and you think of it as if you're buying a part of the company, which which you are. But you you don't worry about the sort of daily fluctuations. You don't worry about trading volume. You look at the fundamentals of the business. You look at how much money they're making, whether you understand their business model, whether you think their long-term prospects are good, and then you look at the price you're going to pay. And if you think it's it's a a good value buy, then you buy it. So that's probably the broadest definition of value investing, really. And I think that it's important that you've made mention to separating uh, stock market pricing from fundamentals of the business, because I know that personally, it was a mistake that I made early on yeah. was that I would get so carried away and looking at charts and thinking that you know stocks are on a run um, it's a great time to buy where and I didn't really have an understanding of what those prices actually meant and I really didn't have an understanding of what the actual business did yeah. and where it was positioned in the market which yeah. is probably more important or is more important than uh, the, the price on a daily basis yeah and now don't get us wrong there's a lot of people out there who make a lot of money speculating who day trade and try and you know pick when there's going to be a, a, a massive run and they try and profit off that. But at least for us, we take a more long-term approach. And what we want to do is when everyone is selling and prices are low, that's when the opportunity to get good value, that, that's where the opportunity to get good value is. Mm. And so that's when we want to buy. Mm. And then when markets are high, um, you know, like they are now in America, that's when you're not going to find much value. And that's in many cases when you would sell. Mm. I, I guess we should take a moment to sort of talk about Warren Buffett because we'll be mentioning him a lot during this podcast and um, there's a pretty good reason for that. He is known as the world's greatest investor or history's greatest investor, but um, his strategy is something that 
we we understand and it's very value based. And it's probably worth talking a bit about sort of how his strategy evolved. So when he started, he um one of his mentors was a man called Benjamin Graham, and he was sort of the father of value investing. And what he he did was look was purely looked at the numbers. So looked at the company's financials, looked at the um like the tangible assets they had, and he was trying to find companies where. Uh, there was such value that you know even if the company was going to be liquidated today um, and all of the assets sold you would still be getting more money from that liquidation than you paid for the price of the share so absolute value so the, the assets themselves are more than the money you pay and then any profit the business makes is just a cherry on top yeah and so that's how Buffett started. And um, in the early years of his partnership, that's what he, uh, his investing partnership, that's what he looked at doing and was yeah. quite successful. Yeah. Um, but as he grew and um, as more investors got in the market, it became harder and harder to find such undervalued um, companies. So the, he, he summed it up quite well in a, in a little saying that he went from looking for good companies at great prices to great companies at good prices. And, that, and that's kind of what we want to want to talk about here and that's the kind of attitude that we take to investing and we think you should um look for companies at a good value look for um them that yeah that are, that are cheap that um it makes sense how you're gonna make money and get growth and you mentioned that his strategy has maintained or ha- has consistently been value based but it has changed in the way his approach that so can you sort of give an example of, of uh how that's changed from looking at the fundamentals in terms of the value of the company to more perhaps other reasons that he can perceive value yeah yeah big time so i mean i guess some of the examples where he's made a lot of money um like coca-cola american express um gillette yeah gillette um like these are big sort of name brand companies that we know now um he got in on a lot of them quite early and for these for these sort of big companies or big companies now not as big when he bought into them it wasn't just about the financials and it wasn't just about getting like say looking at their asset value and stuff like that but it was also about looking at the market looking at the potential for you know them to become big multinational companies so you know with coke they have their um their proprietary recipe the coke has a really streamlined business model as well where mm. they almost have no um, overhead costs and most of their costs are passed on to like third party bottlers mm, so that they're very streamlined um, they have great cash flow and as an investor like you you have a potential to make a lot of money in a business model like that similarly to you know to a company like American Express like the electronic payments market was becoming bigger and bigger when Buffett invested in, in them like credit cards were becoming more of a thing and he saw the potential there not just because of the company's financials but because of their future prospects to to become a huge player in that market and he picked it right and so that that's what we want to look at yeah like we're, we're not just numbers guys we want to sort of look to the future and see like see what what we think is going to be bigger and has a lot of growth prospects and things where industries will grow a lot mm. i mean the numbers side is something that i definitely want to um, really improve and learn a lot more about um because it's definitely a very important part of 
the value-based approach. Yeah. But I think what we're basing our decisions on at the moment when we're investing is the macro side of things. So, you know, where it's positioned in the market or where it's positioned within its industry. Is it a dominant market position? Does it have a, a great competitive advantage over the rest of the competition? Um, you know, is it an industry that has high barriers to entry? And then also things like management, like does the company have a, a stable management? Does it have a CEO, CFO that's well-respected in the industry? Um, do they have a very good record? How do they treat their shareholders? All of these things are stuff that like I look at and yeah. you would as yeah, well. Absolutely. When we sort of base our decisions around buying stock. Yeah. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So to give the to give the listeners some idea of how we approach value investing, maybe do you have an example of a, an investment that you've made and sort of the thought process behind it and why you bought it? Yeah, definitely. My uh, Bellamy's is probably a, a company that was my first real uh, attempt at this value based. Up yeah. until then, I'd been doing a lot of diversified financials and, okay. and uh, ETFs and that sort of stuff. And Bellamy's was my first attempt, as I said. At um, looking at a bro- uh, broader industry and um, trying to f- sort of pick um, macro and consumer trends. Yeah. Um, so, and so for the listeners, maybe go through like what the industry is. Sure. So Bellamy's is a um, provider of infant formula and it's an Australian company yeah. um, based in Tasmania and it its business model is essentially a licensing business model where that they have um, third-party suppliers of all of the formula yep. um, and then they put their branding and their name on the formula and distribute it um, that way. Okay. And why, why did you think it was good the, value? The reason I thought it was good value, I mean, it was it had only been listed for a, ma- a couple of years, not even, I think, only yeah. about 12 months. Okay. And it started to show a good run. So that got me interested yeah. in itself. At the time as well, uh, I had been looking at the demand that they were starting to get from um, the rise in middle income or uh, middle class in China. Yeah. Okay. Um, because a lot of the Chinese didn't really uh, have much confidence in the quality of their products in yeah. homegrown in and, China, and there was a there was a big health scare about Chinese made informal massive health yeah. scare. The Chinese started looking abroad for much more recognised uh, brands of infant formula. Yeah, Bellamy's was really well placed in the Australian market. Mm-hmm. It was it had a huge lead in market share. Um, I think we still uh, they still sell about seventy five percent to Australian market. 
Um, but yeah, they had a massive Australian share, yeah. um, a really well-respected brand. And as a result, the demand from China started to come through. So I sort of thought that that was going to continue. Um, and so I jumped on, bought them at just under $5. And for the next two years, thereabouts, um, it skyrocketed. It yeah. hit peaks of about $16. Now, unfortunately, I failed to stay on top of the company. Yeah, well, I, I feel this caught everyone by surprise, though. It did catch everyone by surprise. And you know, there's a few people saying that they picked it, but they only, I think, are saying that in hindsight. hindsight's 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. So what what happened? Where where did it all turn bad? Essentially, they um, came out with a profit guidance that then they had to um, readjust to the market, and then they did another readjustment of profit guidance below what was expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people started freaking out, looking into the company a bit more, and realized that there were a, very, a few, a lot of sort of fundamental problems with their inventory, yeah. and that managed management hadn't been quite truthful with what was going on with the company and that's a reason we say that management is a very important thing to look yeah, at now absolutely. it's very hard to tell that that was going to happen yeah. you know de- um, six months ago yeah as we said hindsight very helpful to make these calls but uh essentially it lost its it's lost its value completely yeah. so it's one of those things where you know even so us as individual investors it's tough to sort of know how management's going but even big institutions it's tough to know because what so what happened Happened was they they entered because as you were saying there uh, they're just they basically are a company that just holds the IP um, mm. and they get third party suppliers to provide them the dairy um, mm. and they entered supply agreements that had minimum levels yeah. of supply and yeah. demand slowed and um, if they didn't if Bellamy didn't reach that minimum level of supply then there were sort of punishments inbuilt into the contracts and they have to pay the suppliers for not reaching that minimum. Well, it's because they've also locked in contracts yeah. because they were forecasting that this demand was going to continue yeah. or at the time that the, the, the strong demand was there they were scared that the supply was actually going to run out yeah, so that's yeah, why yeah. they locked themselves into this yeah. and it sort of makes makes me think it's it's my first learning about the other side of value investing if a company is way too over invested uh, sorry overvalued by the market yeah. it could be a time to get out yeah, yeah. and um, I think that's something that we're sort of learning as we go that yeah. just as important as buying at the right time and at the right price mm. is also selling at the right time and mm. at the right price. Mm. And I mean, there's always, you know, there's always horror stories of someone who sold out and then the company went on a massive run. Yeah. There's all these, uh, you know, unrealized gains. But I think the important thing is to be quite conservative in your investing and it's always better to to sell out when you've made money and maybe leave some excess profit on the table mm. rather than to hold it too long like you did with Bellamy's, mm. I, I did with Slater and Gordon and all of a sudden something that you think, you know, you're feeling quite good about, yeah. you've lost a lot of money. It's a really hard mentality to, to get over at the time. It's so easy to look back in hindsight and, you know, say that I could have sold or I should have sold. Yeah, but at yeah. the time when it's you've tripled, quadrupled your money, it's a lot harder to make that call because you have some sort of emotional attachment to the stock. Yeah. And um, so I, another thing I think in terms of what is a good investing attitude to have, one of the characteristics 
um, that feeds into value investing uh, is managing patience. Yeah. Um, both understanding when to buy, understanding when to sell, and also understanding the long-term financial implications of being patient. Yeah, big time. Uh, um, in terms of uh, compound interest uh, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I, I would encourage our listeners to, that um, if you can start to practice being patient from the start, uh, then you're gonna, you know, it's gonna go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there are also um, a few quite practical reasons in Australia to to be patient when you're investing. So uh, every time you buy or sell shares, there's a frictional cost in the brokerage. So um, you know, I, I trade with Comsec and yeah. they charge 19.95 per yeah. per trade. So every time I buy, every time I sell the Commonwealth Bank takes $20. And so... It becomes quite expensive. It, it does become quite expensive. And uh, I mean, if you're trading in huge dollar amounts, then the... Brokerage, Which we're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're a big institutional investor, brokerage is something that you can cop and you can, you know, try and make monies on the daily fluctuations of the share market. I'm not a big institutional investor and I don't, I don't want to keep paying brokerage when I don't have to. Yeah. And something else that is quite good in Australia or quite good for for investors is that if you hold a um, an asset for longer than a year, the capital gains tax um, is halved. So you get a, That's interesting. Yeah, so you get a 50% discount on the capital gains tax that you pay. Now, for those who are new to investing, capital gains tax, quite simply, is rather than income tax, you know, when, when you hold an asset that imp- appreciates in value, so you get a capital gain on that asset. So, you know, you hold a share and it goes from $10 to $15. There's $5 of capital gains there. It's the same when, you know, you buy a house and it appreciates in value. That's a capital gain because it's it's uh, the the value of the asset has increased rather than, you know, you're earning income. Um, so, yeah, it's taxed a little bit differently. If you hold the asset for longer than a year, you get a 50% discount in the capital gains tax. So, that's a pretty good incentive to be patient, to hold it, um, and you can make a little bit more money that way. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to listen to our podcast because <laughs> we'll have great tips and tricks like that throughout. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. What else? I mean, um, I've learned my lessons from being not being patient. I've lost money from yeah. um, being worried that I'm going to miss out on a, on a price increase and have yeah. probably jumped in at the wrong time yeah. or probably jumped in when a run has finished and I've been trying to make a quick return and I've bought a lot higher than I would have liked and then that has you know gone on to fall in value and if I had been patient by even a matter of weeks yeah it would have made a big difference so it, it may sound like we're contradicting ourselves a little we've just told you a story about how we held Bellamy's for too long and it True. <laughs> it dropped in value and now we're preaching patience but <laughs> I, I don't think we're contradicting ourselves I think the important thing is that if you're going to invest in value stocks what you're doing is you're betting on well, you're looking at the company and you're saying that it is at good value now yeah. which by implication means you're 
you're saying that the price will rise because it's such a good a value investment now. Like it's a good deal to buy part of this company now. Yeah. It's relatively cheap and the price, you're, you're betting that the price will accumulate, uh, sorry, will appreciate, appreciate yeah. as the rest of the market realizes um, yeah. that, you know, the strengths of the company, the potential it has, the, you know, whatever it is about the company that makes it such good value. Yeah. But at the same time, you do have to keep informed. You have to pay attention um, to what's going on. And so while something like the Bellamy's incident probably was more difficult to to sort of foresee coming. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, I know that the Slater and Gordon investment I made, there was a bit of writing on the wall. There was rumblings that uh, they were sort of fudging the numbers a bit with yeah. their accounting. Yeah. And eventually, it turned out that that was true. And ASIC, the regulator, investigated them. It turns out that they were massively overstating their profits. Um, yeah. Not to get too much into the weeds about like the specifics of accounting for law firms, but basically, there was a lot of work that they were doing. And law firms um, like Slater and Gordon do no win, no fee law work. And they were already adding to their revenue some of the legal work that was currently in process um, where there was actually no guaranteed revenue out of it. So like it was a bit, there was a bit, a few more layers to it, but in essence, they were fudging the numbers a bit or they were being a bit creative with their accounting. And the market and, reacted. And the market reacted. And I, if I had been more abreast of company developments, if I'd been a bit more engaged, um, maybe I wouldn't have lost my money. So, you know, that like you've got to be patient, but you can't be patient can't be laxed. Yeah, you've got to you've got to stay you've got to stay engaged yeah. enough. And you know, and this is this to, is with with reference to buying individual stocks. Something that we'll talk about probably next episode is uh, what what you can how you can get into the market and not have to worry about staying on top of individual yeah, companies. Yeah. And and just to give our podcast another plug, like the, I think that's going to be a real real value from our podcast. Is you know you listen to us for half an hour and once every couple of weeks. And and we'll try and keep you we'll try and keep you informed and we'll try and give you some of the information that you need yeah. and um, hopefully we can one day save you from the mistakes that we've made I, I just want, I think it would be good to finish on a note uh, one of the final attitudes or characteristics that we are currently doing um, that add to our whole idea of uh, what is a good investing attitude is to make regular saving commitments so that you can also have regular buying opportunities yeah um, save something small from each paycheck it doesn't have to be huge amounts there's some apps out there as well that can, can help contribute to your saving goals or help you get to your saving goals but there's a good saying that in investing world don't save to save save to invest yeah because it's better to have your money out there trying to work for you than it is sitting in a, a, a bank account at the moment with historically low interest rate yeah, returns. Yeah. So I would encourage, I know Renners and I both put regular payments into an account uh, that allow us to then make regular purchases of stocks or at least have some capital available so that when we uh, see a good opportunity, yeah. we're able to jump on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it doesn't have to be much. No, I mean, no, no. You know, if, if, even if you just, well, I mean, your story is a perfect example. You know, you started investing as a kid by saving 50, 50 cents a week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, if you it can do it as a kid, then 
yeah. you know, anyone can do it. You know, don't, you know, make a coffee at, at make an instant coffee rather than buying a coffee. Then, yeah. You know, you've saved four bucks. Yeah, 20 bucks a week. Yeah. So do that, put 20 bucks away each week. Yeah. And before you yeah, know, you'll, you'll be in the stocks. <laughs> yeah. I think that's um, a pretty good note to finish on. Uh, I hope that we've been able to sort of encompass what we perceive as a good investing attitude is yeah. and what are some of the good characteristics that uh, contribute to that attitude. Next episode, we want to get a bit more specific. We want to start talking about um, the different things that you can invest in, you know, the index, um, and then also looking at um, specific stocks and sort of what, what we look at when um, when we assess whether a, a stock is good value. Yeah. yeah, there's a number of opportunities to get into the market, which we'll go through uh, next episode. So guys, thanks for listening. Really excited that we've been able to get episode one out it's been in the making for a while um we've been pretty keen to get it going and you know as they say you'll miss 100 percent of the shots that you don't take yeah it's uh the hardest part is starting so i'm sure we'll look back in hopefully 10 episodes time and cringe at this (laughs) cringe at this episode but you know what um we're pumped that we've got it going and we hope that you've been able to at least get an understanding of who we are what we're about in this episode maybe take a few things away and until next time just have a think about what we've said head to our website equitymates.com we'd love to hear hear your feedback uh, and any comments that you have please hit us up Um, rate our podcast as well we'd appreciate it any anything you want us to talk about any suggestions hit us up we're very open to ideas yeah yeah Yeah. hopefully you'll be with us next time on episode two of equity mates yeah thanks for listening equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.